What's going on everybody? On today's show, I want to talk to y'all about the worst decision I ever made in my whole life. You know, the worst political decision that is. And that was voting for Barack Obama to become president of the United States of America. Now listen, I confess, right? The only reason why I really voted for Barack Obama is because he's a black man. And I figured that, look, we just need to have a black president. We need to shake things up a little bit. Uh, we're due you know, a black president. And based on his skin color alone, I cast my vote. It's the stupidest thing I ever did in my life. If I could go back in time and take that vote back, I swear to God I'd do it. I swear on G-O-D. But the only thing that it really taught me in his eight years of being president is that all skin folk ain't kin folk. And we are gonna talk about that on today's show. So y'all don't go nowhere, stay tuned. everybody my name is Kobe Smith and I'm the co-founder of black American um, some people call me captain black American but a new name that I just got is the minister of identity I dig that the minister of identity man so hey listen if you guys love being American citizens right if you guys love the red white and blue we encourage you to go to our website at www.blackamerican.com that's right the minister of identity you know dirty water gave me that name so happy about it i'm a rocket so look um i voted for obama because he is a black man and i figured that after 250 years of chattel slavery after 100 years of Jim Crow slavery, we just need to be able to have a black man in office to be able to repair the black community because of, you know, everything that we've gone through in this country. And I figured back in those days that um, black was just black. I didn't question where anybody was from. I didn't question their politics. I didn't question anything about them because I figured Black people would just be on the same page in the United States of America with regards to what we all need as a people, as a collective, in order to move forward economically and politically, right? I thought that we would all see eye to eye, right? But after Barack Obama's presidency, my eyes were opened and I became more politically active than ever before. Because what I realized is that all skin folk and kin folk, and just because you are black and you live in the United States of America and you are a politician, that don't mean that you got black folks best interests at heart. And so we need to start asking questions of our black politicians. Where are you from? Do you believe in reparations? Right? And we didn't ask those questions of Barack Obama, right? And we paid for it dearly. So what I want to do on today's show is I want to um, dissect a, a brief little clip, right? An interview that Barack Obama had with Bruce Springsteen. And I want to show you just how flagrant his words were, his thoughts were in this interview and the reason why Barack Obama is really the, the poster child for the reason why the Eidos movement was created in the first place. He's the poster child for the proverb, all skin folk and kin folk. 
So um, I'm going to roll this clip, but what you're about to watch in the very first segment of this clip is how Barack Obama really centers his entire thoughts around protecting the concerns of white Americans, but he does not have any concerns whatsoever for black Americans, right? All right, roll the clip. Counterproductive. And it's perfectly understandable why working class white folks, middle class white folks, folks who are having trouble paying the bills or dealing with student loans or, you know, don't have health care, where they feel like government has let them down, wouldn't be thrilled with the idea of a massive program that is designed to deal with the past, but isn't speaking to their future. So you see that everything that he talked about was about making sure that white Americans were protected, making sure that white Americans didn't get upset, making sure that white Americans were not going to feel left out, that they make sure that they get theirs, even though we don't get ours, as long as white Americans are taken care of and they're comfortable and they're safe and they're happy and they're not upset, then he feels like he's done his job as the president of the United States of America. So you see a black American politician, one who has uh, 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 the, the blood of slaves in his veins. Black American politicians like us, who are descendants of those who survived the killing fields of the uh, Alabama and Mississippi plantations. If we became president of the United States of America, you know we wouldn't talk like that. We would make sure that we do right by our people and fix the sins of this nation and we would drive home that point. And that's the reason why I believe that Barack Obama was put in that position to become president of the United States of America because they know that foreign black politicians like Caribbeans, foreign black politicians like Africans are not going to try to hold America accountable for their past sins. Really what they're going to do is just move forward and look towards the future so they can just forget about slavery and all that Jim Crow and all that stuff. They just want to move on. So when you think about it, when you look at people, foreign black politicians like Eric Holder, who was the first uh, attorney general, black attorney general, when you look at foreign black politicians like Colin Powell, who was the first black commander of the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff and the black, the first black um, Secretary of State. When you look at Kamala Harris, who was of course the first black Vice President of the United States of America. When you look at um, uh, Barack Obama, obviously, who's the first black President of the United States, none of these people are going to support reparations for slavery because it isn't a part of their history. It isn't a part of their culture. They don't have that chip on their shoulder, if you will. So that's the reason why they can be put in these positions of power so they can press other agendas like an immigrant agenda, but avoid issues of the past like reparations for slavery. In this next clip, I'm going to show you how Bruce Springsteen, right? This white man is even surprised about what Barack Obama is saying. And, and he says, hey, look, if we can bail out rich white bankers, why can't we do the same thing for poor black people who have suffered so long over 350 years of slavery and Jim Crow in the United States? What's the difference? Why the hypocrisy? Watch what he says. You're saying we live in a country where 
We can do that for bankers on Wall Street, but we can't do it for a part of the population that's been struggling for so long. Well, I promise you, white folks don't like that either. But look, even though I was convinced the reparations was a non-starter during my presidency, I understand the argument of people I respect, like Ta-Nehisi Coates, that we should talk about it anyway. If for no other reason than to educate the country about a past that too often isn't taught, and let's face it, we'd rather forget. You know, I just want to forget about it. Imagine if we as black Americans said the exact same thing that Barack Obama said about the condition of black folks in uh, South Africa and black folks in Namibia, black folks in the Congo, black folks all over Africa who are still experiencing poverty because uh, of their, their, their past exposure to colonialism. But see, the difference between black Americans and other foreign blacks from the Caribbean and from Africa is that we would never say that. And that's a fact. Black Americans would never go anywhere on the continent of Africa and align ourselves politically with formal colonial masters so that we can make sure that we uh, advance policies to hold down the black population. We would never do that. And there is no example in history of that ever happening. And no one in the comment section can ever come out and say that that has happened or that it will because there's just no record of it, no proof of it. But the flip side is not the same. Barack Obama can come to the United States and he can say everything that he just said. We'll put him in power and he'll say, hey, look, you know, uh, reparations has always been a non-starter for me, to be honest with you. I, I wish it was just something that would just go away. White folks, white folks ain't gonna like it, so I wish it was something that just go away, you know? You, you remember uh, uh, Yvette Clark? that uh, uh, Jamaican immigrant up in New York City. She's a part of the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus. You remember when she came out and she said that uh, the future of politics in, in America shouldn't have anything to do with black American slavery and rather it, ha it should have everything to do with immigrant rights. The United States is a nation of immigrants. And while uh, <clears throat> Some were captured and bought in shackles and enslaved in this nation earlier on uh, and did not come of their own volition. This nation ultimately is a nation that has been repopulated over time by people who have come from around the world. That should be the basis from which all conversations about the future of this nation is conducted. Because when we get to the point in our country where some folks take ownership of it and others don't, we find ourselves in the bad place. You remember when Kamala Harris said that she wasn't gonna do anything that specifically helped black American people? Listen, the, the reality also is this, any policy that will benefit black people will benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not gonna sit here and say, I'm gonna do something that's only gonna benefit black people. No, because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole and the country, right? You remember when Ilhan Omar came out against General Lloyd Austin, came out against him becoming the uh, Secretary of Defense? We talked about all that stuff on this show. 
And I find it really hard to understand why people like uh, the guy that we talked about last week, what's his name, um, Austin Chinge, can come out as a Nigerian politician and say that he wants to completely and totally get rid of Black History Month. If we're gonna have a Black History Month, then what about a Finnish History Month? What happens to a Jewish History Month? What happens to a Swedish History Month? The list goes on and on and on. But these are all American history. So therefore, I feel that as governor, the way to move forward to stop this division and this polarization that's going on in that community is to forge a single American identity that we can all identify with first. No one is saying you should get rid of your background. And no one is saying that in the middle of that, there's not going to be any black history being taught or people of that background history being taught. But also, how about Finnish history? How about Norwegian history? How about German history? How about the rest of the people that make up this great and beautiful state of Michigan also having their history being taught in an American History Month? There's even a Nigerian influencer by the name of Lovia Jai. She talked about a paper that she wrote uh, whereby she wanted to get rid of reparations in America. She didn't believe that we as black Americans deserve it. Um, coming here from, the, from um, Nigeria, I didn't have a lot of context about race, example. So I never identified as black until I came to the US because the concept of blackness was never a thing. Yeah. Because over there is the default to be black. So you don't have to define it. So I didn't even understand what black was until I was, came here. And even then, um, I didn't understand, like, you know, I didn't know the concept of slavery. I didn't know the concept of the middle passage. So coming here, I was like, all right, cool. There's like people who look like me and people who don't. Um, when I graduated from high school, actually my junior or senior year of high school, I did a couple of essay contests that I actually won. And I won like NAACP AXO award for this essay and something else. I can't remember another, like I ended up winning money. And the essay was, um, do you think black people should, have repara should get repara reparations? And I was like, no, you didn't work for it. <laughs> and I won awards. <laughs> all these Nigerians, all these Caribbeans, all these people coming to the United States fighting to make sure that black Americans don't get reparations, but you don't have any examples of black Americans going anywhere in Africa or anywhere in the Caribbean, making sure that they, those black folks do not get what they deserved after experienced colonialism. Explain that to me. Why is there such a difference with regards to the way that we engage each other politically? I want to hear your voices right in the comment section. And I also want you to stay on topic. I want you to like, I want you to share, subscribe to this video and hit the bell. And you listen, uh, Pan-Africanism is trash all skin folk and kin folk and we should never ever ever vote for black people just because they're black ask them where they're from ask them what their agenda is and whether or not they believe in reparations or not and if they don't give you a favorable answer it's down with them right cut them off right and let's move forward onward and upward all right and i'll talk to you guys in the comment section i'll see you again peace